There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to CMO Moves, the podcast that uncovers the human side of game-changing leaders. Hear their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and how they got to become leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you enjoy their stories, their advice, and take away some tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, all the loyal listeners of CMO Moves. I am here today talking with Randy Stipes, who is the CMO of IBM Watson Advertising and The Weather Company. Hey, Randy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Heidi. It is great to be talking with you today. I'm so excited, too. So Randy and I had a chance to meet at Brand Week in... 2019. Yeah. Pre-pandemic brand week. Um, (laughs) What an awesome show. I just absolutely loved the event. And and Randy spoke on the main stage a lot about weather, which we'll definitely get into because there's some some fun things to share there. But I'm excited to just get to know you more and hear about your career journey. So thanks for being here. You're currently in Atlanta. Is that right? I'm currently in Atlanta. And I've got to say, man, do I long for those days um, to be in real life at ad week events, you guys always knock it out of the park, longing for those days back in Palm Springs to be with to be with my colleagues. Okay, so so Randy, before we dive in and, and get to know you and a little bit about your career journey, tell me a little bit about what you like to do for fun. Do you have any hobbies that you discover during quarantine or anything that you like to do on the weekends? Oh my gosh. So I will tell you, Heidi, I am not one of those people who during quarantine like 
learned how to make sourdough bread. I have such <laughs> admiration for the people who learn to bake bread or take up a new language. Um, I actually, what I what I like to do for fun is is equates with how I, I spent some of the the time during the the pandemic when we were isolated to our homes. Um, I am born and raised in California. I am a California girl. I what get part? my energy. Santa Barbara, California. Oh, I love Santa Barbara. It's so beautiful. Gorgeous. Didn't appreciate it when I was growing up there. You know how that goes, but I'm so fortunate. My family is still there and the sun and the sand and the water will forever be in my blood. And so I like to spend my time, even though I'm a little landlocked living in Atlanta, um, I get my energy when I can escape to the beach nice. and just have time to think and decompress. Sounds like a dating app ad, but I mean, I'm the, I'm the one who likes to take long walks on the beach. That's me. <laughs> Perfect. I, I'm with you. I, I think it's so relaxing. Let's talk about um, your career journey and how you got to your role today. Yeah. So it's funny. Someone said that careers are more like jungle gyms versus ladders. And that certainly has been the case for me. Um, I did not dream of being a CMO, although now I'm so grateful to be in the chair and the good fortune I've had along the way. And you're right. My, my early days were early professional days were spent in TV news. And it was during the time when the internet was just getting its sea legs. And that really offered me this great opportunity, Heidi, to learn and grow during this time of innovation when how people were consuming information was fundamentally changing. So as the industry was going through this massive transformation from linear to digital, that really set the trajectory for my career. And that was really the first chapter. I would say the second chapter to answer your question is after, you know, I kissed my dreams of being Diane Sawyer goodbye. Why? Um, Why did you kiss them goodbye? Well, I kissed them goodbye because I was, you know, I thought it was more interesting at that point to be not in front of the camera, but behind the camera. I know that feeling. Yep. Yeah. You, you know, you have a certain impression of what you think life's going to be like. And again, I saw I saw an opportunity that the digital landscape was trying to take shape. Um, I also became a lot more realistic that, you know, getting the Diane Sawyer job was going to be one in in a million. Um, But once I made that pivot to the digital landscape, I didn't immediately go into traditional marketing roles. I really spent the first part of my career in editorial roles and product manager type roles First, you know, working at a variety of of media properties and then for UPS and eventually for the Weather Channel, where I had this phenomenal experience of, you know, creating tools and experiences to help people understand and plan for how the weather impacts our lives. I mean, think about it, like the weather impacts everything we do, you know, our health, our pets, our outdoor activities. the shift to marketing really wasn't intentional. Um, It was opportunistic when the CRO at that time came to me, he saw me present in like an internal town hall, a new product that I was developing. And he asked me if I'd be willing to start to go on sales calls with him so that I could begin talking about what we were building and 
that was the moment, you know, someone kind of gave me the opportunity, saw something in me. And that was the moment when I made the pivot from product into sales and marketing. And I really haven't looked back ever since. Do you remember those first couple of months of that pivot into the new role? And probably, I'm, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but yeah. maybe feeling a bit of imposter syndrome, given you didn't come from that background, like everyone else. How did you, do you remember how you navigated that and kind of came into your own? Oh man, all day, every day. <laughs> do I, do I remember that? Um, so I also remember him giving me such good tactical advice. He said, you've got to get in front of the mirror and you've got to, you know, practice and you've got to practice while you're also smiling. You know, I had to really learn from going (laughs) from behind the computer to out talking to customers, but it, it was the first example, I think, Heidi, where I learned the importance of getting out of your comfort zone and that the growth happens when you do get out of your comfort zone. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I have um, a mentor who has told me recently that you have to remember how you see yourself is completely different 99.9% of the time than everyone else. So cut yourself some slack yeah. because <laughs> we don't need to be so hypercritical and you know, you probably came across as great, but it is good to, to hone your skills, right? And unless you're critical of that and practicing, um, you won't grow. So I think you're absolutely right. Um, so then from there, where did that keep going. I'm like fascinated by this journey. (laughs) So from there, I went on to assume a few different roles. Um, I am fortunate enough where I get to wear a few different hats at IBM. I wear a B2C and B2B hat. Um, But on the B2C side, you know, the weather channel business reaches more than 400 million people every month. We're on 2.5 billion devices. What people sometimes don't know is that we power our partners like Apple and Google and Samsung. So chances are, no matter where you're getting the weather, you're getting it from us. And we take that responsibility very seriously. And so I was able to make this pivot from creating products and creating experiences for those now 400 million people who come to us to now being in a chair and leading a phenomenal team gets to to acquire users and and market to users and tell them about the things that we're doing to help them make better decisions. And then my other hat, my B2B hat, is I'm building and driving the Watson advertising part of our business where we're actually using the same weather data, we're using the same technology that we use for our consumer business to help brands better reach and connect with their customers. So I don't think of it as much as B2B as B2B to C. Mm -hmm. So whether we're reaching our customers directly or we're helping brands do that, um, it's the same data and technology that's fueling those experiences. Did IBM Watson Advertising purchase the weather company or how did that, how did they get together? I think that's something I've always wondered, probably should ask you a while ago, but (laughs) (laughs) no, no, it's, um, it's a good question. So IBM acquired the weather company roughly six years ago. And, you know, some people initially scratched their heads, um, and thought, huh, that's, that's a weird marriage. But when you think about the data that the weather company provides, and how that data can be 
leveraged not only for to give consumers the information that they need, the, the business that, that I run, but also because weather impacts so many different industries, being able to have that weather data within the IBM portfolio so that we can help businesses from energy to agriculture to aviation help manage their business. Um, there's, there's really a lot of of correlations there and a lot of applications. So short answer is we were acquired and it was, it's been phenomenal for our business um, in that we now, the weather company now has so many more tools in our toolbox um, that allows us to better serve our consumers, that allows us to better serve brands being able to take the data, which is the backbone of our business, and then apply technology like AI to it has just has supercharged um, has supercharged our business. I can share one example for you of something that the weather company wouldn't have been able to do without IBM. And I, you know, I hesitate back two years ago, but you know, if we all think back to March of 2020. I'm thinking about it. It's so poignant. I have to tell one quick anecdote. You know, when we were all sent home from mm-hmm. work, we all have our stories, but I remember stopping at Whole Foods on my way home that day thinking, I better get snacks for a few weeks mm-hmm. to have on hand. Never mind that I ate them in one day and, <laughs> and two weeks to, turned into two years. Um, but I digress. When we think back to March 2020, you know, there was so much concern. There was so much fear. There wasn't a single global repository for trusted COVID-19 data. And this was during a time when everyone around the world was desperate for information. We didn't know who to trust. And so on our Weather Channel consumer properties, so on the Weather Channel app and on weather.com where people are coming, you know, on average twice a day to get the information, we have a huge megaphone We took a variety of sources where people were, or COVID information, COVID incident information was being reported. We were able to use AI technology to help ingest that information, to digest it, and ultimately present it back in a way that was going to be consumer friendly. And what that resulted in was a COVID-19 hub that we hosted we developed and hosted that allowed people to understand the COVID incidents in their area. I mean, this was, we know it's a global pandemic, but what we cared about, what we all cared about and can relate to is what was happening in our own backyard. So it's having the ability to use the technology to provide something in this case that went well beyond a forecast, but was aligned with our mission in keeping people safe and giving them the information that they need to make better decisions about their lives. One of the things that we're going to be talking about during CMO Summit East, well, the whole theme is about culture, from the mm. shaping culture from the inside out, right? Couldn't be more, more top of mind for, for CMOs and marketers in general. But I think one thing you just hit on is for the CMO and for marketing teams, it's so important to have the right culture and the right things in place to be able to even execute on something like that. I can only imagine the speed at which you all had to kind of come together to put something out there that 
had a lot of eyeballs on it, both internally. And then, you know, the pressure of what you're presenting out there has to be as accurate as possible. So as CMO and somebody who's been very tenured with the brand, how do you think about that cultural shift? Cause it's not just put a procedure in place and you're good. That takes a lot of kind of cultural impact in order to make that happen. But it's such a good point and such a good observation. The, you know, there's so much talk right now, I feel like of moving with speed, moving with agility. How often are we hearing about, you know, having to pivot and moving with agility? I feel so incredibly fortunate in that I would, I like to say moving with velocity, there's a difference between velocity and speed, but moving with velocity and moving with agility is something that's been part of our DNA for a long time. But at the same time, we have a culture where we have to ask ourselves constantly, repeatedly, what more can we do? Because there's people who are depending on us. And a recent example of that is in December Um, you might recall that there was a record-breaking storm that made its way through eight states in the central U.S. You know, it it killed nearly 90 people. This one was actually also very close to home because my husband's family was from Mayfield, Kentucky. And for this event, for this weather event, you know, the weather company sent out over 300 million alerts across four days. Like the warnings were there. They were in place, all trying to keep as many people as possible safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and had it not been for those warnings, I think the numbers would be far more devastating. But we immediately regrouped following that tragic weekend. And everyone across every discipline You know, we had to ask ourselves from meteorology to product, to marketing, to engineering, we said, what more can we do? You know, how do we put our scale and our scientific expertise to work to help people better prepare for these impending threats? And we have development going on right now to determine if and how we can better warn people, even greater advanced warning Mm -hmm. when it comes to events like tornadoes. So it's, we're fortunate in that it's in our, it is part of our culture um, where we're constantly asking ourselves, what more can we do? Yeah. And I have to imagine the partnership that you have to have as CMO with, like you said, the, the meteorology team and the product team, the digital team. I mean, I can only imagine it's, it's probably a fascinating orchestra to watch because things are changing by the second. So is there something related to the data that, because I can imagine it's a treasure trove that has been just either really kind of weird, like a data point with weather and consumer behavior or something that is interesting? Anything you can share there? Oh, Heidi, this is where I completely geek out. Okay. So first, um, some facts, probably not surprising, but 80% of consumers believe that the day-to-day changes in weather affects their mood and their energy level. Oh yeah. That's I'm surprised that's not higher than 80%. So 61% of people say that, so spring weather, like here we are about, you know, hopefully springs uh, is in sight. 61% of people say that spring weather has an impact on their food choices. I could see Um, that. Yep. 33% of people say that spring weather has an impact on the alcoholic beverages that they, that they choose. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Weather is relative. 
So how it affects us is different depending on where we live and that in turn is what we buy. So little pop quiz, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop quiz. So we pulled thousands of users. This was actually a few years ago, but the data okay. still holds up. So we pulled, we pulled consumers to try and get an idea of what sweater weather meant to them. What's oh, the I love temperature that. that when you would actually pull a sweater out of your closet? So this, this exact question, Randy, by the way, has yeah. sparked many uh, an argument, I'm sure, because just, <laughs> it is such a thing, especially given like my company, right? Primarily based in New York City, a lot of New York based folks, but then we have a lot of remote from all over the country. And it's, it's an interesting one. It'll be your answer will probably be different than these. So in Arizona, I'll, I'll give you a pop quiz on the next one. Okay. So in Arizona, people bundle up when it's 65 degrees, okay? But you take somewhere like South Dakota and it actually has to drop to 51 for people in South Dakota to grab grab their sweater, to consider it chilly enough outside. Yeah, um, 65 to them, they're in shorts. Exactly. They're having a good time. Oh, that's funny. And so let me give you another example um, as we all long for kind of warmer temperatures to correlate what this actually means for brands. Cause there's lots of fun facts out there. Yeah. How do we actually translate that and translate the data in a way a brand can put that to work. So we took historical weather data and we put it in a cocktail with the Nielsen, with Nielsen IRI data. Mm-hmm. And then we looked at a ranked list of products with the highest median sales increase by high temperature. So what products are selling when the temperatures are on the rise? And, you know, we saw the usual suspects. There were some things that we expected, like water and soda, sports drinks. Those were at the top of the list. But the number four product on the list is what stood out to us. Take take a guess at what the number oh, four product on the list Okay, um, temperatures high, you said? High yep. temperature. As the temperatures are starting to rise. Okay, and ice then, cream. Well, I'm guessing it's not ice cream because it, it doesn't sound like that would be very interesting. That would be kind of expected. <laughs> um, so soup? <laughs> Fair guess. And before I tell you the answer, temperature actually has very little to do with ice cream sales. It's wind speed that affects ice cream sales. That's another fun fact. That is interesting. But the number four product on the list, when we looked at a rise in sales as temperatures were, were rising, relish the condiment. Mustard was nine. Mayo. I have, I know I have an answer for you as to why. Bring okay. it home. My hypothesis is obviously temperature gets hot. People are going to go outside, have a cookout. Hot dogs are easy. They probably already have mustard and ketchup in their fridge because those are like year round staples. You kind of don't always have relish on hand. Ding, Boom. ding, ding. You got it, Heidi. <laughs> you got it. That so is for, so interesting. But not necessarily, you know, top of mind. It's interesting. Right. Not at all. Start thinking about it. So you're right in that we have a treasure trove of data. But data by itself is not useful. So that's right. that's really what Watson Advertising, one of the many things that we do, but um, it's really our core competency is how do we take that data and how do we make it actionable for brands so that 
a brand looking to influence those gathering moments. I love it. And it's clear that you just live and breathe in innovation all day long. So let's talk about your marketing team and the skills that you look for. Um, I, I, I have to imagine again, um, agility, curiosity, these are all skills that are so top of mind for marketing. What, what's on your radar as far as skills for the future? Yeah. So yes, certainly check, check on what you mentioned, but I want a diverse team, not only in terms of, um, I want a diverse team when we are really looking at people's backgrounds. Maybe it's because I'm not a marketer first, but I am looking for marketers who, or I should say looking for, for people who have come from a variety of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. I want the data scientist on my team or someone who has, you know, maybe been in the editorial chair or working on products. I think that it gives us another lens and another perspective to consider as we're, we're thinking about how to go to market, we're thinking about how to connect. And so I think it is, it is people who come from a variety of backgrounds. And then regardless of your discipline, the number one thing that I look for, Heidi, is I want good storytellers. Mm -hmm. And not only because it's so critical in terms of the stories that we tell our target audience, but how we communicate, how we engage even internally in the boardroom, right. that matters. And with the ever-changing role of the marketer and the CMO, being able to tell good stories, being an effective communicator is so critical in our ability to drive influence and drive growth. Yeah, I think they're spot on. And and also I would say to your point about the different skill sets, it's interesting because I would say roughly 75 to 80% of the CMOs who have been on the show did not start in marketing. No way, shape or form. They were in finance or so, you know some other um, career path fell into marketing. And I think what that's going to do is create leaders who are then going to be open-minded to hiring people with different skill sets. So the CMO of the future, 10, 15 years from now may look a little bit different, right? You know, I'll say, I hope so. I think it's up to us to forever change and and rethink and that we are not going to always fit one mold. We shouldn't, you know, it's, it's interesting at IBM, 20% of our U S employees don't even have a bachelor's degree. That was unheard of at one point. You know, we were all raised with this, many of us raised with this notion that you have to have, you know, at least a four-year degree, but taking a skills first approach and to hiring, you know, I think allows us to attract people with non-traditional backgrounds, or perhaps those who are re-entering the workforce or relaunching their, their careers, which we know is so critical right now with women in particular, where we're losing ground at an alarming pace as more and more women are leaving the workforce. So we yeah. have to create opportunities for them to re-enter and uh, be considered for roles. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And um, the other thing we're seeing is uh, purposeful hiring from outside industries. Whereas I feel like before, you know, it was you, you wanted somebody who had 20 plus years in that same industry. Now it's a benefit to not because you can bring in some fresh thinking, which yes, I, I plus one to that. Um, and Randy, I want to go back. Something I didn't get a chance to ask you in the beginning. Yeah. 
what brought you to Atlanta? I was trying to connect the dots. Did you get the job with the weather company and that's what brought you over? No, um, I don't know if I've publicly talked about this before, um, but I'll, I'll tell the story because I think that there's a good lesson here. Please do. <laughs> okay. So I was living in San Diego, California, another beautiful spot. Um, this was right during that time when I had made the switch in TV news, thought, okay. you know, from in front of the camera to behind the camera. And I had... I thought I had my plan perfectly mapped out, Heidi. Like I had my five-year plan. My career was on this amazing upswing. And the man that I was dating at the time, we had been together for about three years, also living in San Diego, told me that he was moving to Atlanta. And I thought, well, best of luck to you. (laughs) This has been... been a blast fun great (laughs) but I'm not going to be the cliche of the you know the woman who completely upends her life her career leaves her family everything I knew this was not part of my plan I'm not going to be you know that that cliche who follows the guy across the country and long story short I wished him well and six months later I quit my job I booked a one-way ticket. (laughs) I cried the entire flight. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I moved to Atlanta. I followed the guy. And there's two, there's a happy ending. Gosh, can you imagine how horrible it would be if it would work out with the guy? (laughs) But it was a happy ending on two levels. One, we've now been married for over 18 years. Oh, that's awesome. It worked out. Um, and two, that's what forced me. That move is what forced me to reevaluate yet again. I did not go back into a same thing you were doing. Yeah. I, I took my time. I got acclimated with a new city. I evaluated my opportunities and Atlanta at that time was really emerging as a hotspot for brands. In addition to having a lot of like amazing blue chip legacy brands like UPS, right. where I eventually joined UPS and I became their, their managing editor. And I would have never thought about a company like UPS, but it was following the guy across the country that opened my eyes to possibilities that I would have never otherwise imagined. So you, lo- you followed your heart. I mean, as cliche as that sounds, that's the short answer, Heidi. That's it. You you threw out, you threw out the fear, you threw out the hesitation, you followed your heart. And in theory, you were hoping you were wishing yourself the best. Good luck. Let's see what happens. And it worked out. And I think that, I mean, no better lesson than following your heart. Cause we, we just go back and forth so many times weighing pros and cons and like there's so many decisions in our, in our careers and personal lives like that, that I think that's, that's a really good lesson. Is there another lesson you took from that, that could maybe be advice to somebody else in that situation? Yeah. What I would say, um, you know, we talked a little bit about comfort zone earlier and the importance of recognizing your comfort zone and then getting out of it. Um, you know, the other lesson that I took from it is that I think sometimes as women, I'm, I'm going to generalize here a little bit, forgive me, but I think sometimes as women, 
we feel that when we are evaluating a new opportunity, whether it's a new project or whether it's a career change, we tend to, to feel like we have to check all of the boxes, that we have to meet every single requirement in order to be qualified. And my takeaway was when I was making that, that change, I was remember being so concerned. I thought, I know how to build digital experiences. I know, I know how to do this. I, I, I can enter a totally new industry, but, or in theory I can, but, you know, I had, I, I had some hesitation. Can mm-hmm. I take those skills and make them transferable to something like, to a company like UPS, to a global company? I had never worked in a global environment before, but, um, you know, I realized that I had enough of the fundamentals and I knew another really important skill. And that is where you have gaps, you surround yourself with people who right. can fill in those gaps and you can learn from them. And so, you know, my takeaway, my other takeaway was like, don't feel like you necessarily have to check every single box and qualification. Um, it gets, you mentioned the imposter syndrome earlier. Mm-hmm. Like if if someone sees something in you, I think we as women need to start also seeing more in ourselves. If someone's willing to take a, make a bet on you, like make that bet on yourself. Yeah. And I'm so glad in, in hindsight that someone did give me the opportunity and that I bet on myself to try something new, to apply my skills in a, in a global company, to help a company like UPS at the time transform from a shipping and tracking company into a global logistics company. Yep. I, I want to put that on my wall. If someone's willing to, to bet on you, but why wouldn't you bet on yourself? And I think, I think every single day, as minor as it might be, people bet on you day daily, when they give, put you in charge of a project, when they give you more responsibility. Um, and so, yeah, why do we second guess ourselves? It's really, really good advice. Thank you for sharing that, Randy. Um, and I'm so glad your story ended that way. That could be a movie. So um, I'll, I'll look for the special on like uh, on Hulu or something. Um, so, you know, with our, our last couple of minutes, I, I have um, a question I wanted to ask you that I've been asking the, a few other guests on this show. Just again, with everything changing for the CMO role, it's an ever-evolving role. Um, you know that firsthand. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to, I don't want to ask, oh, why do you think the role is, is evolving so rapidly? I feel like that stuff is so obvious now. I want to ask you if you had the power to change something about our industry, that being the marketing industry or the role of the marketer, what would it be? It's such a good question. So I'm going to, I'm going to start with the industry question. Um, So if I had the power to change one thing about our industry, and this is going to sound so simple, but it would have happened if it were easy, that we've got to start working together on the things that really matter. So we have an opportunity right now, two examples, like the cookies going away. Mm-hmm. How do we come together as an industry and rebuild the right way? How, in a way, like we all preach that it's consumer first, that it's privacy first, but how do we unite now and rebuild the right way? And I would also say as part of that, um, how do we unite to look at things like bias in, in advertising. It's one of the initiatives that, that IBM has kicked off um, where we had a hypothesis. 
we had a hypothesis that, um, you know, we wondered whether AI could help identify and mitigate bias in advertising. And I'm not just talking about the creative choices that we make, I mean, that's certainly a part of it, but I'm talking about the four Ps. I'm talking about the full marketing life cycle. And so we, we launched a research project last June. Um, flash forward about 10 months later, and we found that number one, bias does exist, probably not a surprise. And I'm not talking about intentional bias. I'm talking about unconscious bias that is unfortunately there and inherently there in some of the choices that we make. And we also found that AI can play a role in helping detect it and help us, you know, and helping us mitigate it. Um, we're going to make some tools available um, to the industry later this year so that we can all do better in this area. But I mentioned it just as an example that I think we have an opportunity to come together and focus on the things that matter. We saw it during the pandemic, but it shouldn't take a global crisis for us to identify a few key issues where we can collectively make a difference. I love that sentiment so much. And actually to that exact point, we, we as an ad week has recently formed a collaborative with the ANA and sustainable brands to do that exact thing, to help, um, to help grow the advancement of sustainability within marketing's function and the strength of the CMO and, and responsibility that CMOs have um, in regards to sustainability. And actually help develop some resources and just come together, right? Because again, to your point, we can do so much more together um, versus trying to each do it on on our own. So I I think that's perfect. And uh, Randy, we are close to the end of time, but I cannot let you go. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun talking with you. And um, I'm curious um, about our last question, which you know what it is. If you had all the money and talent in the world, and you were not the CMO you are today, what would you be doing? Uh, so many things come to mind. Um, but the most immediate would have to be doing something with animals. I don't know if that's necessarily being a vet, but running a, you know, a shelter or I don't think I could be a professional breeder because I would never be able to say goodbye. <laughs> to do you animals. have, do you have a favorite animal? Um, so I am a huge, we fan of long-haired dachshunds, um, long-haired dachshunds in our, in our family. Um, and so something that I think would allow me to combine my love for animals while also trying to truly make a difference in the lives of, of, of others. I love that. Yeah. My, my son, who's almost five, he's at the stage where he's asking us for a dog. I knew it was coming. I knew, and I had dogs growing up, but I knew with babies and stuff, I wanted to wait. So now every day, can we have a dog yet? What, am I older? Cause I said, when you're older. So he just keeps asking if he's older yet. <laughs> but my friends and family would tell you, and to any of the listeners though, who are visiting Santa Barbara, um, I probably would, they would say be a, a travel planner or concierge of, of some kind. So Ooh, nice. that, that could be, that could be the side hustle. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, Randy, thank you so much. I, I took so much from uh, our conversation and I, I hope our listeners did as well. And thanks for making the time. I know you're incredibly busy and um, look forward to seeing what you and your team come up with next. And I'm going to look at the weather app so differently now. So thank you so much. <laughs> Heidi, thank you. I so enjoyed the conversation and to all the listeners um, be well. Thank you, Randy. Bye-bye.
Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 